Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So uh, today we wanted to discuss um, what I'm kind of coining as speculative development or speculative design. Um, And this is coming out of an experience I had this week um, when I was doing some work on my audiobooks app, where I was doing and had been kind of struggling through a lot of the, the the updates that I'm doing. I'm kind of doing this big sweeping overhaul of the app and specifically I was struggling with some of the changes that I was that what I would like the changes I was making was causing me to make a bunch of updates into the iPad version of the app. Um, and at a certain point I had this realization that I've never used the iPad app um, for this app ever. I've used the iPhone app uh, fairly extensively, and in most of my testing, it's something that I use on a semi-regular basis. But um, just for me and the way that I use the app, the iPad version had never been used. And it had kind of this realization as a result that I was kind of building this thing in a way that I really had no idea how it would best be used. And for in this particular case, I decided what I really should do is I was just going to make the iPad version of the app be essentially a blown up version of the iPhone app that it's which is awkward and tricky and I think makes it a good topic for uh, to talk through today because on the one hand I am ending up with an app that is structured and works in a way that I know works really well on the iPhone and the code for that is much simpler now there's not all of these like if iPhone do this if iPad do that um, the app is more reliable probably as a result uh, but it isn't as optimized for these particular users and these these particular use cases. But it's it's in some ways it's probably it's but it what I was guessing people would who used iPads would like may not actually even be what they would like. And so you have these this strange tension between speculative like making up these features and making up a layout and guessing a design um, for something that I don't actually have a strong opinion on when. It's like, in, in theory, that might be better, but in practice, maybe it's worse. And I don't actually know which one of those is better in this particular case. But I know that I enjoying, I'm enjoying working on the app a whole lot more now that I am just have given up on the concept of uh, trying to make this mythical iPad version that I'm kind of projecting would be great for somebody. And instead, just saying, you know what? I know how to make a really good iPhone version. And if you make that bigger... It may not be as ideal, but it will work well enough. And I'm not speculating. I know what works. I know uh, I know how to structure things. I know how the layout and the flow should work. And ultimately, that's probably better. Um, but it is a weird tension and something that I think is is awkward, especially when you know you are the developer and designer of of an application that you have to kind of. At a certain point, you're always probably doing a little bit of projection, a little bit of speculative development about, you know, there are features in your in your, the app that you may not necessarily use yourself, but that you, you know, some some of your users do use. Um, but I think it's a really interesting area to be cautious of because the more we do that, and there's a whole bunch of other areas that I'll probably get into uh, later in the show. Um, where we kind of have to do the speculative development. But every time I, I think I'm starting to, look, as I look back on my development for the last few months, I'm starting to see areas where I've been doing this kind of speculative development. And in a lot of time, a lot of cases, I end up regretting the work that I do um, because it's just guessing and it's never going to be my best work because it doesn't have the thoughtfulness um, that it could have otherwise. 
Yeah, I mean, I've faced this problem a lot with um, user feature requests. Uh, this goes a lot into it. Um, you know, like in, in the case of, of bigger things, like you, you know, like your iPad app, you know, your iPad version of audiobooks. I would imagine you have the data to show that not a lot of people use it on iPads, right? It's certainly a minority. I think the number is about 18% or something like that of users um, use the iPad. That's actually higher than I would have guessed. I believe that's higher than Overcast. Uh, But, you know, I think analytics here help. And again, you don't need like massive detailed analytics. You can just do like a simple thing like what you do, just like reporting back to a server. Like, you know, am I running on an iPhone or an iPad? Like, you know, what OS version, stuff like that. You can learn a lot just from that. Um you know, if if a very tiny portion of your customer base is using something or or something that you expect only a tiny customer base to use if you haven't uh, released it yet, that makes it a pretty easy decision to be like, you know what, if I don't really want it and not a lot of people would use it and it's at all any work to do or maintain, uh, then it's a pretty easy decision to say, you know what, no thanks, that's probably not worth doing. The The tricky part is when one of those things isn't true. So, uh, you know, for instance, if it, it, some things make it easier, like if not a lot of people would use it and it's a lot of work and, you know, then don't do it. But if it would make some people really happy and it's almost no work and it's not going to have much of an ongoing maintenance cost, that's a trickier question. You know, like in, in Overcast, I have I have my um, my uh, alert icon badge number toggle where you can you can have the app display its red icon badge with the number of unplayed episodes you have. This is something that I really don't like. I don't even think anybody should ask for this. But after 1.0 was launched, it was one of the top requested features because the people who do want it really, really want it. And so, I, you know, if you... I'm, I was already tracking which episodes are, you know, or how many episodes are unplayed in other parts of the API... And to show that red number badge above the app icon is like two lines of code. So I figured, you know what? I can put this checkbox in my nitpicky detail screen with a funny caption. And I can have this satisfy the people who really, really want it. And ongoing, it's really not that much work. You know, it's it's really, it's those two lines of code. It There's almost no complexity to it. It doesn't really interfere with anything else about the app. I don't really ever need to change it unless I change the definition of what an unplayed episode is, uh, which could happen, but, you know, it's unlikely. And so, overall, that's a pretty easy thing to say, you know what, people do want this even though I don't, and there's enough of them that it matters, I'll give it to them, it's not that much work. But then I have another example of a, a toggle and overcast called Play Next by Priority. This has caused me lots of headaches in 3.0 that that most of which are still not resolved <laughs> because so so the, the this is a preference where basically overcast playlists have a notion of priority podcasts you can set certain podcasts to be ranked higher than other, higher than others when new episodes come in and the question is if you're playing something kind of from the middle of a list and the episode ends what should play next in my concept of Overcast Playlist, no matter what your priorities are, whatever's listed next in the playlist should play next. And I've released one point of this way, and I, I didn't even consider any other possibilities. To me, that's, that's obviously how it, work, how it should work. But I, I got tons of confused people and people who, who requested this enhancement. A lot of people expected that even if you're playing something in the middle of the list, when it ends, 
the highest priority unplayed item in the list should play, which means usually the top item in the list should play. Although you can reorder my list, which makes it more complicated. But it's, it is generally, and I did a Twitter poll a while, like years ago, when I, or like a year ago when I implemented this feature. And a lot of, it, basically people couldn't agree on what the right behavior was. And there were tons of people on both sides. Some people said, yeah, just play the next thing in the list, logically. And, and just as many people said, the highest priority thing should play next. So I had to add this option. And what this does is make anything complicated that depends on trying to figure out what plays next because i have you know i have a like a basic function that that tells you that off off of the object but it it became a problem when i added two features in 3.0 the widget which shows the next two next items and the uh the play next feature that moves things around playlist on demand uh to in order to play things next this completely breaks with the play next by priority setting on <laughs> because the widget checks and it says, all right, what item comes after this one? And then it fetches that. And then, then it says, what item comes after this one? And so, and the, the, I need to now modify the API because the second item, like the, the next, next item might be the current item so it's like oh, man. it's so and, and and people keep sending these like i've had i have a couple of twitter screenshots of like you know so now like it's like oh i'm showing atp and then next is showing this but then after that it's showing atp again because it's like looping around because of these certain order of, of items the other thing is if somebody if you're in if you're in a prioritized playlist and you go down and pick something and you say play next do i change the priorities of the playlist to make that work no that yeah. would be terrible right but then no, do no. i do i temporarily suspend play by priority like it it, it messes up everything <laughs> and so ultimately i think what i'm gonna have to do is i i can i can handle the widget i can just make the api more complicated so it like keeps kind of keeps track of like you know well if these two were already played what's next which is annoying but you know i can do that fairly easily but for the like the play next functionality actually kind of doesn't make sense with play next by priority enabled. Like it's, it kind of breaks in a lot of ways in a lot of conditions that people might be using. So my inclination is just to disable play next completely. If you use that setting, which most people don't, but you know, the few passionate people do, uh, because I can't think of a way to make that make sense. So that's, so it's like all of this complexity that I, that I now have to deal with because a year ago or whatever, I added this play next by priority option because I thought it wouldn't be that much work. I, I thought, oh, this is just really changing one function, the function that says what, what comes next after this item. And I thought that would be really an, a really easy change that wouldn't affect a lot of things going forward and that would be easy to support. But it turns out it really wasn't over time. So now I'm questioning whether I should ever have added that option in the first place and it's causing lots of problems because I did. Uh, so <laughs> this, this kind of like, oh, well, you know, it, it'll be easy. That that often seems true at first, but then down the road, you see it wasn't easy to support this thing that you thought was no big deal, uh, which brings you back to the original question of whether you should have added it in the first place. Yeah, and I think, too, it's, it gets to this, it, it's this, this, this awkward balance you find, too, when you add something. If you add a feature, taking it away um, is more... It's, Unpopular. It, 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 
It's very unpopular, exactly. <laughs> it is something that you will have a lot of a stronger reaction to, I think, than never having implemented it in the first place. Because if that was an important feature for somebody, if that was a vital passion thing that they were passionate about, like they absolutely need this feature and you don't have it, they'll just go somewhere else. Um, but if you give them give give them a feature and it's this kind of this feature that's on the edge. It's not an essential feature. It's not a core to your vision for the app. It's something that you're adding because you think you should. Um, and, you know, there might be some good reasons for that. But in general, like you're doing it because you think you should, not because you really want to. Um, at a certain point, you may have to sort of take it away um, or scale it back or do things that will, you know, will ultimately be problematic for the application and i mean i think the examples you're giving are like very you know feature driven but at the same thing I, i've been thinking a lot recently too about like what do you do with some of these like ios apps are getting so complicated in terms of the number of possible extension points that we can uh -huh. add to them um, so like for example um, iMessage apps is one that i've been thinking about recently where like i have never used an iMessage app personally um, other than to test the iMessage apps that I shipped on day one of iOS 10, um, I've never like used one in actual practice. Um, I use I you know I use iMessage all the time. I use it to constantly, you know, text and interact with people. But it's just I've never used an iMessage app. And so I think about these apps that I added that like I've never used them, and in some ways like are other people using them? If they are, like, am I really serving their needs or benefiting them? And at some point. Like, do I, you know, it's, it's like, I kind of, part of me kind of almost wants to back them out of the app, but doing that would be really awkward. Um, or similarly, you could have, a, you know, a similar problem with things like, you know, supporting another platform like the Apple Watch or the Apple TV or... Like I added a couple, you know, back way several years ago now, there were a couple of my apps where I added an Apple Watch app that it turns out, you know, like, for example, I added an Apple Watch app for my feed reading uh, app, Feed Wrangler, where <laughs> How's that it, it's, I, I don't think people use it very much, um, but you, it allowed you to read the, um, the, the plain text a plain text version of each of your RSS items um, or, or something like that. Because like, I didn't know how people were going to use Apple watches. Like maybe that would be kind of cool, but in actual practice using an Apple watch, like the last thing you really want to do is sit there with the crown, like scrolling through, you know, uh, <laughs> a few thousand words of text. Like it, it you know, in, in retrospect, it doesn't make sense, but it's also kind of this awkward position I find myself in now though. Like that doesn't make sense. I had this feature that I'm in, you know, invented kind of in the speculative way that I kind of want to take away. But, you know, if there's a couple of people who, who are using it and find it really cool, like that feels harsh. And so I think there, it is a good reminder to, for me to, in general, I need to be a bit more circumspect with this. Like I need to think about these kind of features that if it isn't something that I use myself, like the best software I've ever written is the software that... I use myself on a daily basis that I, it comes from a place of like actual need that I have, and then I'm solving that need. And then I'm discovering that other customers also have that need. And like the degree to which I can focus my development on those paths, on those behaviors and on those features, the, you know, the quality of that software and that experience goes up and the degree to which I move away from that and my apps start to become a bit 
you know, they're just speculative. And I'm just like throwing things in and seeing like, hey, what might work? What, well, you know, like, what if someone did this? What if someone wanted to do that? And the more I do that, I think the worse my software becomes probably. Um, and the worse, the more I regret it in the future when now I have to maintain all these features because I feel bad about pulling them out. Yeah. And I'll tell you one thing from experience recently. Uh, in, in Overcast 3, I also rewrote the whole Watch app to go from WatchKit 1, literally, to WatchOS 3. And in the process, I removed a lot of features that nobody used. And I had analytics on that to see, like, you know, uh, only something like, I forget what the percentage, it was like it was like a, a handful of percent points of people use the Watch app at all. And among those, it was like a, a handful of percentage points of those used anything that was like in the force touch menu i had like a few things in there and so i took it out because like in in three in the in the new version i'm like you know i'm rebuilding the whole thing from scratch do i really need to rebuild the screen that like you know three percent of three percent of the users use like probably not uh but that handful of users who use it i've heard from all of them (laughs) in the meantime they are very very upset and and it does like it's like you know I, i feel bad now i feel like i should add that back in but that it's but then that'll that'll you know make the app a little bit bulkier and take more time away from something else so it's it's always tricky never add any features we are brought to you this week by linode go to linode.com slash radar to learn more sign up and take advantage of a 20 dollars promotional credit or use promo code radar 2017 at checkout linode gives you fast powerful web hosting you can set it up in just seconds, and they have easy-to-understand tools to let you choose your resources and Linux distro, giving you the power and flexibility that you need. And Linode plans now start at just $5 a month for a Linux server with one gig of RAM in the Linode cloud. That's an amazing price. Linode servers offer industry-leading performance with native SSD storage, Intel E5 processors, and access to a 40-gigabit network. And I'll tell you what, I, you know, these just sound like numbers. I've used a lot of web hosts. One of the, re- one of the many reasons that Linode is my favorite web host uh, is that their networking is incredibly fast. Like the, the the access that you have, especially like inbound access, it is incredible. So like my crawl servers that have, that have a lot of inbound traffic and everything, it's just crazy. And of course, outbound they, they have tons of uh, tons of bandwidth there too. Uh, but inbound, I believe it's it's you have higher limits and it's just as as quickly as your server can accept data you can get it it's amazing um they have an api you can set up things quickly you can develop custom applications or automation uh super simple scaling you can scale things with just a couple of clicks i've done that a lot of times it's wonderful all Linode's uh, pricing tiers also feature hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans so you know what is the most you will spend in a month uh, and lots of other add-on services like backups, node balancers. Linode's a great service. I highly suggest you check them out. I've been, I've been running my stuff there for years now. I've been slowly moving everything that was not on Linode onto Linode and it's just wonderful. Highly recommended. Uh, go to linode.com slash radar to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of a $20 credit or use the promo code radar 27 17 at checkout thank you very much to linode for supporting this show so i think we've probably fairly effectively talked about some of the reasons why you probably shouldn't add these kind of speculative features these kind of things that are beyond um, the core essential vision you have for the app um, but I think there are probably it's worth you know doing a little bit of the the devil's advocate on the other side um, for some of the reasons why you maybe want might want to 
And when I was thinking about this uh, this morning, the things, the main things that came to mind for me is that a, like you expand the market for your, the, at least the potential market for your application to be larger than you know people who are just like you um, in terms of your preferences for the way or the way you think about this particular application or the way that you um, approach this particular problem, and that's you know certainly better. Obviously, it's great if the way that your vision for the application. Um, you know, is the same as for it is for lots of people, like, that's great, but you can potentially expand your market, you know, if, you know, someone in your your example of the, you know, the I like to be stressed uh, badge on my overcast, mm-hmm. like, if that was an essential feature, and that, you know, that was the thing that was keeping somebody from using the app, and just adding it, you know, it's, it's like you said, isn't a huge thing, like, maybe it's worth expanding that market that little bit. Um, and even though that's a feature you would never use yourself, you get that benefit of potentially expanding the market. Um, another example of something that comes to mind is that you potentially are opening yourself up to for other kind of marketing or promotion op- opportunities with Apple, um, especially around things like adding an iMessage app, adding a watch app, adding an Apple TV app, adding an iPad app. Like the degree to which you kind of embrace the new stuff can often, you know, have benefits. If, and especially in that kind of that first wave of things. Although that's that's something to be a little careful of, though, because, you know, you 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 make a watch app, say, and Apple might feature you for a week and then you're supporting a watch app for the next three years. Sure. And so there is definitely a balance to be struck there between like that, you know, like over over overweighting the the importance of that kind of marketing but it is certainly something to to keep in mind and it has a potential benefit but i think i'm with you in that and like once i finished talking about the benefits i was going to talk about some of the costs and i think one of the biggest costs is over overvaluing the potentially up the potential upside where yes. it's like it, it is because there is a definite upside it's easy to be like, oh, I should definitely do it. Like doing this will make the app better. Or maybe I'll get, I'll, you know, I will get this attention. Even if you know for sure that you're going to be featured in the app store, like you have some great confidence or some, you know, you've been in relation, contact with someone at Apple or whatever it is. Like even if you're absolutely certain, like the awkward thing that you might run into is like, yeah, like you said, it's you get featured for a week, but then you support it for years. And that's a tricky balance. Um, and then the last benefit that I could think of was just in terms of reducing your support requests that if you know, by the nature of a lot of these kind of features, there are things that people keep asking for. And so there is a certain always going to be a certain weight um, on your development or on your support load of you know people asking for this. And until you add it, that will be the case. Um, but in aggregate, like I really it's it's I think as I've developed apps and had to support them for longer and longer i think this is something where i'm starting to develop a a bit of an immunity or resistance to these types of features and i think in general it's something that i'm going to be trying to resist as much as i can um you know it is crazy with this particular app that i'm working on audiobooks because it's eight years old and you know we talked about in our episode about old dealing with old code like there's all kinds of technical challenges but you know there's also a lot of feature you know load and things features that i added you know years ago that i'm now still having to deal with and maintain and i think there's a lesson to be found in especially as an independent developer as a smaller developer that we're all i think we're all typically best served when we're able to focus down to the things that we really enjoy 
um, because like guessing at solutions are never going to be as good as actual solutions. Like making up, like guessing how someone might want to use this feature based on the email you got when someone asking for it is never going to be as useful as the feature that you you build because you love this thing and it's what you know made motivated you to build the app in the first place. Um, and I think at least I find for myself, like that motivation is a very important thing. Like I'm doing this update to audiobooks mostly because I feel like I have to, because, um, I haven't done one in about a year and like, that's not good. And a big part of why I feel, I think I am resistant to getting into this code base and why I took a lot of like, you know, like girding my loins and like, let's do this, um, to do is because, the app had gotten so divergent and had all these little extension points and differences between things that made it more intimidating and it made it less fun. And as much as like I do my job because it's my job, um, because I'm independent, I have the flexibility to just kind of benignly let things be neglected um, for longer and longer. Like there's no boss yelling at me in quite the same way, you know, and the, the product suffers as a result. And I think ultimately the products will be better the more that I think it's fun to work on them. And so if I can, this is one area where I'm starting to think, you know what, I need to, to scale that back. And in this case, it meant that I'm going to take the iPad, you know, take the, the iPad version and make it very, very similar to the iPhone version. And other than a few places where there's um, like popovers rather than modal pop-ups, like the apps are now identical. And I feel so much better about that. I feel so much, it's, it's like this great relief is off my shoulders because I'm not building this app that I'm just guessing at. I'm just building an app that I know works really well and is now slightly worse for some of the users. But I think overall, they'll be a lot happier with the fact that the app is going to be updated on a regular basis because I think it's fun now and because it's interesting. And I'm actually tackling interesting uh, problems that I've wanted to tackle for a while, but I didn't feel like I could because I had all this other baggage and all this other load that I had to deal with as well. Yeah, I mean, I think as indies, we have to always uh, be be conscientious of our limits and you know as as individuals or as very very small teams i think we have to we have to recognize like we can't do everything we won't want to do everything (laughs) and you know so so both in capacity you know we don't have the bandwidth to actively maintain and update and build lots of features and stuff that we don't want to build or that we won't use or that we won't be able to test necessarily like in in our informal testing protocols this is why we should have unit tests but we don't so you know if it's not something that we're going to use ever um you know a lot of untested bugs could slip through like like in my you know play next by priority thing where basically i don't think any of my beta testers use that option i don't use it and so all these bugs slip through into 3.0 features that i just never even consider because i don't use the feature um and it's kind of this edge case thing that i didn't think would interfere with anything but it does um so you know part of being an indie is is having to step back and say you know what i can't do a like whole kitchen sink set of features here i just can't do that and maintain it to a decent level of quality so you know you kind of have to just do what you think is best for 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 the app and what you can manage and what you can maintain over time you know responsibly uh, and then secondly part of the advantage of being an indie is as long as the business is doing okay you can choose you know as you said like there's no boss like you can choose what to work on like it's your app 
you can choose what features it has. You're never going to get everybody to use your app. So as long as you can get enough people to keep yourself in business, then you can make the app you want and you don't have to listen to everyone's requests. Um, and that's something that I have been telling myself a lot recently as I deal with bugs with options I never use. <laughs> yeah, and it's and I th- honestly like it's it's a relief like it's a weird thing and i think i, I talked to you i remember when i when i first had this kind of realization that i was going to just drop the ipad version that i had built and just like switch to it being based on the iphone um, layout and flow and i was actually genuinely happy and relieved and it felt good in a way that a lot of like decisions you know like don't don't, don't give you those feelings but it was a great encouragement to me that it's like like I was excited about my about working on this app in a way that I hadn't been before because of this choice that I'd made. And it's kind of fun to feel empowered to do that. That yeah, like I didn't have to you know go before a committee. I didn't have to convince anybody else of doing that. It's like I decided that this would be better for me and you know as a result better for the app and just went with it. And that is one of the, the one of the rare gifts we get by being our own boss. And it is a something that I think is important to take advantage of and to have those moments where because you know a lot of being independent is rough, but this is one area where if you find an area find an opportunity to do something that you think will make you enjoy working on the app more and will avoid these kind of headaches where you feel like why am I even building this like I don't like this feature in the first place <laughs> um, like that's a great opportunity to say you know what I'm not going to I'm going to take this feature out or I'm going to change this in a way that I think will make me more excited to work on the app. And because there's nothing more soul crushing than working on a bug that you don't even want to exist. Like you don't even want the feature to exist in the first place. Um, so, you know, embracing it is like, it was a re- it can be a really, you know, powerful thing to motivate you to do better work. And, you know, any opportunity we have to do that is definitely worthwhile. And with that, we're out of time. Thanks everybody for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye.